Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. The elements are a metaphor, a simple organizational system to help us understand business and ourselves as business owners. And they are the components of nature, the roots of magic, and the building blocks of life. We all have some aspects of life and business where we thrive and others that are more challenging. By looking at these things elementally, we remove shame and judgment and can discern which elements would help us bring ourselves into balance. Earth, root chakra, Capricorn, Taurus, Virgo. Earth rules the parts of business that keep us safe and secure as we do our soul work. Sustainability, finances, contracts, systems, our core values, and clarity about exactly what our medicine is and how we fit into the ecosystem are governed by Earth element. Air, heart and third eye chakra, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. Air rules our big vision, our ultimate picture of success. It's where we connect our medicine to a mission and decide what kind of impact we want to create during our time on this planet. Water, sacral chakra, cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. This is the realm of our emotions and business is emotional. How we feel about people, ourselves, visibility, uncertainty, how we handle stress and disappointment, all of this and more affects how you navigate your business. Water element is where we learn to resource ourselves and expand our capacity to hold the big feelings that come with doing our work in the world. Fire, solar plexus chakra, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius. Fire is where we take our gifts, our uniqueness, and our creations and we blaze them out into the world. All things selling, marketing, and the day-to-day actions of running our business are ruled by fire. Too much fire and we burn out. Not enough, and our business never makes it off the ground. And spirit, crown chakra. Every good gardener knows the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Spirit rules the faith required to keep tending your business long before you've seen a single sprout of evidence that it's growing. No matter what you believe in, spirit element is what you travel through after you leap and before you land. Life thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you, and so will your business. To find out your dominant element, take our quiz at intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash quiz. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, beautiful friends. Welcome to another episode of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and if you've been around for a while, you might be noticing that I have been experimenting with our intro uh, to this podcast, and I'm, you know, I'm playing around, I'm experimenting, I'm trying to find something that isn't 100 hours long, but adequately introduces the framework of Elemental Entrepreneurship to new listeners, uh, because I found out that a lot of people don't know what it is, and they like the podcast. Podcast, but they don't really understand the framework. And so I'm trying to make sure that that is like baked into what we're doing here and that the more you listen, the more you understand each of the elements and how they work with you and for you and through you in your business. So I would love your feedback on the new intro. Um, let me know how you feel about it. Let me know if it's too long. I kind of feel like it's still long, but also like it's, maybe it's what it needs to be. I don't know. But, you know, hit me up. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, this is for you. If you're a brand new listener, was it helpful for you to understand the framework at the top of the show? If you've been around for a while, uh, do you not need that? Do you not find it beneficial? Just let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, okay, so 
you may notice that this episode is not also on YouTube. This was recorded before we made the decision to start venturing into uh, video episodes. So this is a, a bygone recording from two weeks ago or something like that, um, before the decision was made that interviews would be filmed. So I hope you enjoy this audio-only episode. The other thing that's uh, a little interesting, fun, delightful about this episode is that it is... uh, you're watching a conversion event, a canon event, if you will, which you may also be watching play out uh, in a little bit realer time if you follow me on Instagram. In this conversation that you're about to hear with Amelia Hruby, the founder of Softer Sound Studio and host of the Off the Grid podcast, I basically made the decision that I was going to stop using Instagram for marketing my coaching business. And uh, so now you get to hear that conversation and that realization happen in real time. This is something that I've been considering and thinking about and feeling for a long time. And in my conversation with Amelia, I just had a lot of realizations about uh, scarcity and fears about why I was holding on to Instagram marketing, despite the fact that it doesn't really do great things for my business. And it takes a lot of time and effort and energy without yielding a lot of return at this point. And I have now fully made the decision that Intuitive Edge Coaching's Instagram will go dark in January of 2024. I'm not going to delete the account. I just won't be actively using it anymore. And there will be pinned posts at the top explaining where people can find me and how they can work with me. If you're already here listening to this podcast, then you're already plugged into one of the channels that I will keep relying on uh, for sharing my work and my marketing. And I'm really glad that you're here and that you're a part of this. Uh, We'll be doing more longer form content on YouTube at Intuitive Edge Coaching over there. As always, please, please, please join my email list. That's really where it happens. And most of all, join the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven. That is where I'm doing the real work, not marketing the work, but uh, coaching people and helping you build your heart-centered, creative, sustainable small business. All of that is really happening in my membership, and that's what I made it for. And so I'm also looking forward to having more time available to be in the coven coaching my clients and spending time with y'all. So if you want to stay in contact with me and maybe even get into deeper contact with me around your work than you are right now, Coven would be the place to do that. And the link for that is always in the show notes here. uh, And you can find it at intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash coven. The last little announcement I'll make before we drop into this episode is that the doors are currently open. It's Friday, October 20th, as I'm recording this. The doors are currently open for Best Year Yet, which is my year-long private coaching and mentorship container for 2024. I took three people in 2023, and this year I am taking five. And right now, if you join in October, you get access to the most bonuses and delightful tidbits and extras. Uh, The earlier you sign up, the better the deal is. If you sign up in October, you get November and December coaching free and you get access to a 14-month payment plan. If you join in November, you get December coaching free and access to a 13-month payment plan. If you join in December, the price is going up to the 2024 rate and you'll get a 12-month payment plan and it'll start in January. So uh, the sooner you 
hop in the better and a link to book a call for that will be in the show notes as well. So if you've been wanting to dive really deep and work together on building your business over the next year, I would love to support you in your growth and your winning and your success all year long. Um, really excited to see who I'm going to be working with for 2024 and to really get locked in and go deep with just a few clients. I'm very much looking forward to that. So if one of those spots is calling your name, check out the description in the show notes and book a call and let's talk about it. All right. Those are all of my announcements. Uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode with Amelia Ruby, founder of Softer Sound Studios and host of the Off the Grid podcast. Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm very excited because we have a really juicy and exciting topic today on the show with my guest, Amelia Hruby, who is a writer, educator, and podcaster with a PhD in philosophy. Okay, Dr. Amelia, if you will. (laughs) She is the founder of Softer Sounds, a feminist podcast studio for entrepreneurs and creatives, and she's the host of Off the Grid, a podcast about leaving social media without losing all your clients. And today we're going to talk about leaving social media, which I think is a fantasy that a lot of us have that we think is impossible. So I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm pumped to talk about this and think about it in the context of elemental entrepreneurship. Oh, I'm so excited. So the girls will want to know your your big three, your sun, moon, and rising, <laughs> if you know them, and your human design, if you know it. Of course. Yes. So I am an Aries sun, Gemini moon, Capricorn rising, which is I actually think a pretty powerhouse combo for online business. I have like all this initiatory energy with my Aries sun. I have the follow through of a Capricorn rising. And then I have that like uh, kind of busy bodiness of the Gemini moon that lets me just like flit all over the internet and find that fun. So that's my astro. And then I am a generator in human design, sacral authority with a three, five profile. So that's the martyr heretic profile, which we have twin human design. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a really great, I think profile for like podcasting, teaching, sharing your story. Like it really leads itself to, you know, the martyrs out there just like doing the thing and reporting back. And then the heretic's kind of willing to stand up and say, like, you know, stand up on the platform a little bit and say, like, here's what I did. And yeah, I enjoy it. I love that. I love that take on it, too. And the way that I usually think of it is more about like, because you usually come into the the second number in your profile later in life. And so I also always think of it as like the person who went through a lot in their younger life and grew up to be like, oh, now I'm comfortable speaking out against why all of this stuff that I went through didn't work um, or, you know, isn't the way. And so I I think it does set you up to be a really good teacher or speaker. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Love this. So excited. So I think that I first got exposed to you through holisticism Mm -hmm. and 
you were giving a talk about podcasting and leaving social media. And I talk all the time with people who are like, I'm just ready to shut this all down. I hate this. I don't want to be here. I don't like social media. I don't enjoy it. I only have it for business. And so can you share a little bit about your leaving social media journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I love the holisticism shout out. I love Michelle and the crew over there. And I actually, Softer Sounds edits the 12th House podcast. So I spend a lot of time with their voices in my head. Um, So my journey leaving social media was quite the path. It unraveled over many years. I think like many people, I got on Instagram in college and it became this place I just kind of connected and shared with friends over time. I started writing more and more. I had a blog, you know, back in the the 2012 days of your <laughs> a decade ago. And I was sharing that on Instagram and then that kept evolving. And I started making more content, I would say, like things I was creating specifically for Instagram. I started working on growing my community there. And then in 2019, I got a book deal to re-release a journal that I had self-published. So I'd created this journal and self-published it. And then a publisher reached out and wanted to work with me to re-edit the book and put it out. And so that's really like this turning point for me with social media where I went from, I'd say, just like having fun, sharing things, writing, you know, sharing stories, sharing photos. And it really shifted to trying to like grow an audience, have a platform. And so I was so excited to have a book deal and I wanted my book to do well. And I was told over and over again that I needed to grow my Instagram following for my book to do well. So like the, you know, A plus student I've always been, I was like, great, I got this. I took my book advance and I spent that money on hiring a photographer to get new photos done, hiring a web designer to get my website and branding redone, hiring a social media strategist to help me have a more thoughtful, intentional, strategic profile. And then I put all of that into practice and spent like a year really trying to grow my platform. And I share this because I was like all in on Instagram. I am not somebody who's here like leave social media, but I was never really there. Like I was working so hard, but like many creators, I never had a viral hit. I never used paid ads. And so I was really trying to grow organically. And I'd say I was growing at the rate of about hundred followers a month. And then my book came out in October of 2020, which was, of course, during the pandemic, pre-vaccine, and so everyone was at home. My book launch was largely on Instagram and YouTube and social media, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that like there were these platforms where I could celebrate this big milestone with people, and people were able to learn about the book and my work. But kind of in the months after that, I started to realize just how much energy and time and money I had invested in Instagram and how little I felt like I had gotten in return. You know, I didn't sell that many books from my Instagram following. I didn't. um, And I think in a 
bigger sense, it was actually just like, I felt it actively draining my creative capacity. So it's not like it wasn't feeding my creativity. It was like negating it. It was getting rid of it. And so at the start of 2021, I sat down and I wrote this big list of rules for about leaving social media. And this will sound familiar to probably everyone listening to this because my list, I was like bartering. I was like, okay, I will get on the app on Monday mornings. I'll post my Monday thing. I'll stay on for 30 minutes to engage. And then I will log off and delete the app. On Thursdays, I will download the app again after I finish work and I'll have the app like Thursday through Saturday for some like weekend stories and fun. Then I'll delete the app and all these rules. And it was so tight. And so I just felt like I had to be so boundaried to be on the app at all. And in that process, I realized that I had gotten into this really like codependent, anxiously attached relationship with Instagram. And for me, that was a big light bulb moment because I had worked through codependency and anxious attachment with a therapist coming out of some other relationships in my life. And I was like, I can't do this again. Like, I don't want to repeat this pattern, especially not with an app on my phone. And so after I wrote that whole post and shared it, I was like, oh, I don't need these rules. I actually just need to leave. And so that set in motion my process of leaving Instagram, which I did in April of 2021. And I haven't looked back. Oh, okay. There's so many things in here and I'm so excited <laughs> and I love this so much. Um, attachment styles as it relates to your business is something that I teach on. I actually taught mm -hmm. a workshop for holisticism on how attachment wounds show up in business. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, if you're not familiar, if you're listening and you're not familiar with attachment theory, definitely do some Googs on that and check it out. Um, but m most people have some type of non-secure attachment style and they all, I think, are triggered by social media and play out on social media differently, right? So the people who are the, I constantly ghost my account, avoid mm -hmm. attachment, social media people, I yes. show up, I get involved and then like I start getting responses and attention and it overwhelms me and I ghost. And then there's the people who are like, I post stuff and then I immediately get afraid that it's not going to go well and I'm like monitoring all of my stuff and then delete things, right? We have our disorganized people. And then we have our anxious people who are the like, I'm overthinking everything I'm going to post. And then I'm like really mm -hmm. emotional about the things I post. And then I post them and I'm constantly scanning and I can't calm down until I get positive feedback. And there's just yes. so much that can be triggered in our own attachment wounding. And I think a lot of people don't think about a, the fact that that can happen and B, that like these apps are literally designed to hijack mm -hmm. our nervous system in this way mm -hmm. and to create emotional engagement and dependency with the app itself. And, you know, we are not evolutionarily designed to know what hundreds or thousands of people think of us at any given moment. Like we're not, our brains are not built for this much exposure to other people's opinions. <laughs> I think it's bad for us. I agree. I, I completely agree. And I think that it's bad for us on so many levels. Like it's bad for us on our, our nervous, a nervous system level. It's bad for us on a mental health level. It's bad for us on, you know, a creative register that I've just talked about. And I think, you know, for business owners, because this is, you know, a podcast where we get to speak directly to that experience, which is my favorite. Um, it's also just really starts to hijack our ability to 
get in touch with what we have to create and offer and how we want to share that with the world. And I really, one of the gifts like that I've experienced as leaving social media is just being so much more clear in my purpose. And it really shines through. Like I get this feedback all the time from people who come to the Softer Sounds website, which is the podcast studio I run or who find off the grid. They're just like, wow, you've really the voice is so clear. The values are clear. It feels really cohesive. And that that's because I don't have a million other people's voices in my head all the time. I mean, I do because I'm a podcast editor. So I listen to a lot of people a lot, but it's not the volume of social media. And I'm much more selective. It's not just like any random thing the algorithm wants to throw my way. Mm, I love that so much. And I think about, I have a lot of weird boundaries with Instagram, right? Like I, if you've been around, you've heard me talk about this, y'all, that I like uh, delete it, it, it when I'm not, it, when it's not business hours. So I usually delete it at the end of my workday and re-download it um, in the morning when I'm ready to start work, not first thing in the morning. Um, and I also have funny things about like, when I meet people, I'm single and occasionally on dating apps. And when I'm on dating apps and people ask for my social media, I don't give it out. Um, specifically because, first of all, I just don't want people who are just going to like follow me forever and never ask me on a date. But also because like I am so acutely aware of the fact that it is designed to build false intimacy. Mm. And... I don't want anyone in lieu of having a conversation with me and getting to know me, anyone whose goal is to know me in real life, I don't want people to go look at my social media and create a character or story about me in their head when they could just talk to me. And then it's so funny because in business, that's exactly what I want people to do. I want people mm. to build a sense of intimacy with who I am, what I do, my work, my voice, um, my products and stuff like that without needing to talk to me so that I'm freeing myself up to not have to have individual conversations with everyone. And so it's really interesting to note for me, the way that I've come to approach it is like, you know, if people ask me if I have Instagram, my answer is for work. I have it for work. Like I don't have a mm -hmm. personal page. Um, I have no interest in social media out, you know what I mean? Like, so I think yeah. I've really been one of those people who has, first of all, developed a lot of strict boundaries around it. And I really don't use it in a personal way anymore, which I think is confusing to people who don't use it for business. Mm -hmm. um, but also I know what comes up for me when I have thought about deleting Instagram is probably, and, and I'm just curious if all of your clients come to you with this, it's just this instant scarcity of like, oh no, for the past several years, the majority of my new clients have come to me through Instagram. And I also have a podcast, but my podcast doesn't get quite as much reach as my Instagram does. And it doesn't seem like it generates the same amount of business. And so I guess like, do you encounter people who are like, oh, that sounds cool, but I'm afraid that I would just completely stop making money if I got off of Instagram? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really where the like tagline for the podcast came from, like leaving social media without losing all your clients. And it was a big fear that I had when I left social media. I have a slightly like different journey there because when I did leave social, like the work I was doing on social media was selling my book and selling courses and I sold like zines and stickers. So I kind of, I had like courses and some products and 
when I left social media, I shut down that part of my work. Like I, I was very clear to me that the path forward for that business would have been staying on social and I didn't want to stay on social. And so I stepped away from that business. And I share that to say like, sometimes the decision, like sometimes the work that we're currently doing may have been built to thrive on social media. And if we need to step away from social media, we might have to change our work. And so I launched a, you know, more B2B style business. It's not entirely true. I work with plenty of hobbyist podcasters, but I went from selling like products and courses at a low price point to selling a more high touch service because I needed my business to make me a full-time income. And I needed to be able to do that kind of with ease and relatively quickly. And so there, I share that again to say like, I hear your fear. It's very real. And for me, I had to like step fully through the portal of that fear and like really shed a lot. And I always want to put that on the table for people. Like I'm not here trying to like, I'm not a fairy godmother granting like, oh, you can just get off Instagram and nothing will change. And actually it'll be even better. Like I'm a super practical person. (laughs) I'm always going to be like very honest and direct about the implications that leaving social media might have for your work. That said, when people come to me with like, I can't leave social media because that's where my clients come from, we kind of have, I have a process essentially at this point that we work through. The first is getting really clear about if your clients are actually coming through social media because often people overestimate the percentage of clients that are actually finding them there. And they may be conflating like, okay, this person found me through social media with, well, I got to know this person better on social media. And like, then they booked, but actually they found out about me because their friend worked with me before, or because they know my cousin or whatever it may be that led them there. And so I try to unpack a little bit more. The first thing we do is unpack like, okay, how are people actually finding you? Is it social media? And what role is social media currently playing? Because then we can get a lot more clear on if we're going to take social media out of the equation, what do we need to replace? Do we need a new way for people to find you? Do we need a new way for people to feel close to you and get to know you and want to work with you? Do we need a new way to like close the sale? Because actually you're the only person in the world who's like making the sale every time on Instagram, (laughs) just like never happening. But um, I think that's kind of how I tend to approach it again through my very like pragmatic mind. But I also it's so much more than just the business savvy and logic and strategy of it. And so something I've worked a lot with folks on as well is just like, we have to learn the nervous system regulation skills to like sit with discomfort and be in that tension and hold fear so that we can like process through it, release it. And that's something I've also um, always provided through like the workshops and the things that I do and Inside of the interweb, which is the new membership for Off the Grid, there's a visualization that's about clearing the fear of leaving social media. And it's fully designed to help you um, visualize kind of stepping into a space with your fear and looking at it, naming it, and starting a conversation with it. So you can, I guess, kind of speak to both the energetic side of this. And then I have like lots of business courses on like how to actually address the, the business piece as well. That was a really long answer. Thanks for following with me. <laughs> no, I love it. And I'm so excited. I think this is so cool. And I guess like a, a, like I'm also like on the super practical side. And so like a thought that immediately comes up to me is like, well, do you like, b- w- would you build out 
a non-social media funnel and test it for a while and make sure that it's getting traction before you take your social media away? Do people kind of like do both for a little while until they're like, okay, I know for sure that this other revenue generation stream is working and that I'm getting clients referrals coming in through this other way? Or do people like go for it or is it a mix of both? It's definitely a mix of both. And I think in some senses, like we could also map that onto attachment styles if we wanted. Like I have plenty of clients who just kind of hit this moment of like, I absolutely cannot do this anymore. And they just left, just shut it down. There's off. Sometimes that is an avoidant behavior and a pattern for them. But I think that I definitely work with clients. So it's kind of like, it's a, it's like feeling bad and bad and bad and bad and bad. And then one day it's just like too much and they leave social media then I tend toward again an anxious attachment style so I I felt more like what you were first saying. like I felt like I needed to feel sure about what was next before I could actually step away and I think that so in the process of leaving I kind of mentioned before that I had written this post about my Instagram rules and that's when I decided to leave but there were over two months between when that post went live and when I actually left Instagram I spent a lot of time transitioning my community and just saying over and over and over again like subscribe to my newsletter subscribe to my newsletter I will not be here anymore subscribe to my newsletter and I also made different pieces of content and resources around this so I created a list that's become very popular called 100 ways to share your work off social media and And I made that list as a part of healing my own scarcity mindset. Like it was a tool that I needed to feel safe and secure stepping away. That was more like, okay, leaving social media isn't contracting my marketing options. It's actually expanding them because now I'll have the energy to do all of these other things. Look, here's a list of a hundred of them to prove to myself that I have options. And so, you know, I made that list and shared it. And that gave me a lot of excitement around leaving and just a sense of safety, which I needed, my nervous system needed to feel okay stepping away. Um, So that's my preferred mode (laughs) is more of like the planning and testing. Um, But other people, they just take the leap and then they figure it out from there. What immediately comes up for me with the leap taking, and I'm I'm sure you encounter this in your clients, um, is people who have uh, gone viral either in a positive or a negative way, but I think that there's like, there's pluses and minuses both. Like even if you go viral, when I say in a positive way, I mean a post goes viral because most of the people sharing it love it, are excited by it, find it funny. But even then you're gonna get a bunch of troll comments because of the nature of virality. And then there's the going viral in a negative way, which is always really disruptive and scary for people where you're, <laughs> who is who is it that coined the term the star of Twitter? Like every day there's a star of Twitter and you just wake up <laughs> It's not you, Um, but like the person that everyone's talking about or sharing in a negative way. And I've known people who have experienced both types of virality and have been so dysregulated by it and like really had a difficult time with it. And so I just wonder, is that something that people come to you when they've had that experience and they're like, okay, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, a real trend that I've noticed I don't tend to find people like in those moments of going viral, but a trend that I have noticed over the past year. So I, as I've mentioned, I left Instagram in spring of 2021 and I kind of just like took a year 
of doing my thing. I launched my business, did other things. And then people kept asking me how I love social media. So I launched Off the Grid in spring of 2022. And I created the first season of Off the Grid over the course of 2022. I was sharing all these episodes. And I'll be honest, like, it didn't really land with people. Like, my number, my download numbers were really low. People didn't totally, like, get it or or want it. And I even had a conversation with one of my friends and business co-founders. I was like, I might quit making this. Like, it just doesn't seem like people want to leave social media. They're not here for it. And she was like, absolutely not. You have to keep making it. You're just ahead of the curve. It will hit, I promise. (laughs) And then this year when I launched season two in March of 2023, everybody was on board. I mean, the show has grown exponentially this year and people want it. And to answer your question, like the shift I've seen is at first I was talking to people who had, you know, an Instagram following of a few hundred, maybe a few thousand. But now I'm talking to influencers who have walked away from platforms of 50,000, 80,000, tens of thousands of people. And they were doing brand partnership work or that that was the primary marketing vehicle for their business. But that dysregulation that you're speaking to it's less that like they had one viral moment and that was so dysregulating they had to leave, but it's like it builds over time. Just the weight or the pressure of that many people's gaze just ramps up and up and up and up. And eventually there's kind of this moment where it's not tenable anymore and they end up deciding to leave. And sometimes I talk to them in that process. Sometimes I talk to them after they've left when we're kind of like, what are you doing next? Um, but And, you know, honestly, like then they have to all make different decisions. Sometimes they go get a job. Sometimes they have built enough of a newsletter, you know, base or something that they can continue selling their work and they may have to take a pay cut or not. It just depends on um, how they had shaped their business over time. But yeah, it's a it's been interesting just to see more and more people choosing to step away regardless of the size of their following or platform. I love this. And so for your business, like for you personally, um, what are the, is your podcast your primary lead generation? Is it like from podcast to your website? Um, Is it podcast to newsletter to website? Is it blog? Like what are, what, how are people now? Yeah, I love this. Okay, I, I try to talk about this on Off the Grid, but no one asked me about it, and I'm such a marketing nerd. So. I love that. This is the part that's fun. I'm like, okay, so what are you doing instead? Break it down. Yes. yes, this is exactly what I want. Like, people always just want to talk about leaving and my story, and I love talking about that, but I'm like, okay, but let's talk about the actual how I market now. Okay, so there are a couple of different things happening in my ecosystem. So my primary business is Softer Sounds Podcast Studio. That studio makes, you know, it it makes over six figures in revenue a year. It supports me and my family and we have a team of contractors. Like it's my like capital B business in my mind and my breadwinning business, you might call it. Um, And so that business, the primary marketing channel is word of mouth. Like I am always courting referrals. I am always trying to ask clients to send more clients my way and just kind of get my name out there as a podcaster. It also does some SEO traffic. So if you search like feminist marketing studio or ethical marketing studio, softer sounds will show up in the first page of results generally. And I've gotten some new clients who are coming in that way. People who are looking for a different, like a values aligned podcast studio, which is definitely what we do. And then 
off the grid is kind of a totally different entity. So with Softer Sounds, I am growing a high, medium to high touch service-based business. With Off the Grid, it's a podcast and I'm really trying to grow more of a content-based and course-based business. So in this business, I am promoting the podcast all of the time. I'm guesting a lot on other shows. I've like paid for people to pitch me all over the place. And so it's really an audience growth effort. And then people come through the podcast and then they get the Leaving Social Media Toolkit. So that is delivered. They give me their email address, delivers to them. It's a lead magnet. You get a welcome sequence that comes from it. And then that brings you deeper into the ecosystem. Like that sells you um, the interweb membership. And then once that's, you're kind of in annually from there. So off the grid is all about audience growth. Like I said before, like I'm selling a low cost membership. And so that means I need a lot of people to come through for it to make any like meaningful amount of money for me. But it's been a fun experiment to see like how fast it's growing, if it's growing, what people like, what they don't. And Softer Sounds is so different. At any given time, I need like 15, 12, minimum 12 clients up to like 25 clients. I never really want more than 25 clients the way it's currently structured. And so that's really just like those, I'm doing the one-on-one sales calls. I'm really like courting people in a different way. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Did I miss anything? I this. this is so cool. Um, So with softer sounds referral is the primary thing referral and sales calls is really what's yeah. happening and then with off the grid podcast lead magnet newsletter membership yeah that's it this is so cool and then for other people that you work with what are some of the ways do they go youtube blog ads like what are people doing out there when they leave social media yeah so When people leave social media, generally the first thing they do is start a newsletter, like most often, or they already have a newsletter and they shift their focus there. But what we have to work on then is similar, like with off the, like just, just having a podcast or having a newsletter isn't going to inherently bring new people into your ecosystem. It's going to like continue to speak to the people who are paying attention. So you also need a way to get in front of new people. I would say a a major misconception about social media is people think it's putting them in front of new people all the time, but for the most part, it is not. So actually most small businesses I work with are either a business that needs like, you know, a few dozen clients and can work that relationship marketing channel. Or if it is more of a traffic-based business, the work we have to do is figure out like, how are you getting in front of new people? And most people tend to focus on like making their thing whether it be a newsletter or a podcast, way more than they focus on getting in front of new people when actually getting in front of new people is what is more important if you need a lot of clients or you know more than a dozen or so clients. And so that's what I'm trying to help people build. And that can generally, some people do go to YouTube, although there you are also at the whim of an algorithmically, algorithmically determined platform. So I always tell people like, you can leave social media and go to YouTube, but you're trading a meta algorithm for a Google algorithm. And like, know that for yourself. So often what we're doing is actually building better ways for them to be teaching guest spots in other people's courses. So they're getting in front of new people or kind of a podcast guesting strategy. So they're getting in front of new people or a really strong lead magnet, like really one that everybody wants. So that's traveling around the internet and getting in front of new people, these different ways where we can kind of like expand 
our community. That's kind of the biggest piece, I think, when people leave social media. But it's actually also the biggest piece when they're on social media. They just don't know it. (laughs) And they're often like under marketing or underperforming in their sales because they're not tending to that piece of it. I think that's so important. And I'm just, I'm thinking about my own business and my own social media. Like one big struggle that I have on social media um, is, mm, how do I want to say this? Well, yeah, Instagram is fat phobic and fem phobic and whore phobic. And so uh, the type of body I have and the type of content I make, um, I do get reported a lot and I get shadow banned and I get like, I also, I run a separate program called thick strip. It's an all plus size strip show. And we have gotten our account shut down so many times Mm. and we're constantly having to find new ways to talk around what we do, who we work with, our shows to promote our events because we get shut down, we get shut down a lot. Um, On my coaching social media, I have had a thing going on for, at this point, a couple years. I only get on average like 15 to 20 people who see my stories and it didn't used to Mm. be like that and I can't figure out what that's about, but people will say, oh yeah, like I don't see stories from you ever and the people who do see my stories are already my customers. And I have also, you know, like you, I, I work a lot on social media. I'm posting all the time. I have people helping me with social media content. I'm repurposing content. I'm pulling audiograms from my podcast. I do all this stuff on social media and my growth has been very, very slow. Like I think I only have, I don't know, I have less than 4,000 followers and I've been on Instagram with this platform for, or the, this business for like eight years. So very, Mm -hmm. very slow growth. Um, and it's true. I do think that like in my mind, a, a lot of my business comes from Instagram and B that that is how I'm finding new people. I think some of that also is when I think about my clients is how you're using your content and what you say in your content. And I do think that sometimes this is an area I focus that not everyone does, which is I purposefully try to imagine I'm talking to a hundred new people with every post. Whereas I think most people are thinking about talking to the followers they already have. And that kind of keeps you in a certain size. But I do think that I conceive of social media as a way to get in front of new people. Um, And yeah, I don't know for sure that that's true. And I definitely know with how often I'm seeing my content not even reach the normal metrics of customers that other people's platforms reach, that that's definitely not true the way that I think I've, uh, how do I want to say this? The way that we're told to think about it, which is like, oh, new Mm -hmm. people are finding you all the time. You're getting referred, you're getting shared, you're getting, you know, you're growing all the time. I think also a large percentage of my followers are bots. Yeah. It's been really interesting to see like, so I left my profile up when I left social media, left Instagram, like my profile is still there. I just haven't logged into it. I archived a lot of my, most of my posts and um, it's still online. And I have looked like gone to the URL of it a few times just as, and seen that like, oh, you know, I still have over 2000 followers at my peak. I think I was just over 3000, but it's like, and most of those 2000 that are there are like bots or like accounts that aren't active anymore. And just to realize that maybe two thirds of my followers weren't even like really people who were paying attention. Um, 
is really interesting. I'm also sure like probably plenty of bots have followed the account since I've been gone. I wouldn't know. But I think that it could be really interesting, you know, kind of hearing you reflect on all of that. What's coming up for me is like, wow, it must take a lot of energy to like navigate like the shadow banning and the blocking and the banning and all of that. And that feels really challenging and like a real drain, I'm sure, on your like creative force, life force. (laughs) And then also... I think it would be fascinating to see like you, obviously you don't have to do this, but if it were me, I'd be like, Oh, what about there? What if you did like an experiment where you like got off Instagram for a month and spent the same amount of time and money on other marketing efforts and seeing what might like come of that, of course, who knows, or like what would come from, you know, trying to do 10, be a guest on 10 other podcasts instead of putting that effort into Instagram or what would come from trying to teach, you know, three free workshops instead of being on Instagram or something like that. Like it is interesting to think about really at the core of off the grid is a philosophy of creative marketing experiments, which is really just about trying different things and kind of questioning if the things we're doing are working. Like I would just heard you kind of do in this moment about Instagram, like, Oh, is it really bringing new people my way? And at the same time, like, what is the value of getting a new person who just wants to follow me? Like, what's the, how much investment do I have to make to get them to actually buy something, like convert to a client? And yeah. And that point I think is huge because something I talk with people about all the time is that (laughs) there's that joke, like the best time to start an online business was in like, you know, 2010 and like the second best time is right now. Um, I think like the best time (laughs) to be marketing a service-based business on Instagram was 2016, right? Like 2015, 2016, it was still, Instagram came out in 2013. So 2015, 2016, the rise of the wide brimmed hat spiritual coach girly happened and they showed up and they were like, I will teach you how to manifest. It is $20,000. And people were like, take my money. Like, you didn't have to have proof. You didn't have to have a good program. You didn't have to have a marketing plan. Mm-hmm. It was all new. And it was a kind of wild west of marketing. Oh, yeah. Um, but also, like, the tactics for becoming an influencer got conflated with the tactics for building a solid online business in such a deep way that I'm still constantly encountering people who are trying, who think they're trying to build a business, but when I talk to them, what they're actually doing is trying to build an influencer platform Mm -hmm. and trying to explain to them that like followers are not leads. Mm -hmm. And that like I've seen people, I'm sure you've seen this too, who have tens of thousands of followers, a million followers, right? They're, they have a strong influencer platform and they try to launch like a lip gloss line and it flops. And it's like, well, yeah, because those people don't trust you. They're just like looking at you. Like mm-hmm. they don't think of you as an expert in the lip gloss field. They just like looking at pictures of you. Um, and that that's very different. Building a lead is not, the, and nurturing a relationship with a potential customer is not the same as building an audience or building Mm -hmm. a following. Like for Thickstrip, one of the reasons that we stay on Instagram is it's a dance thing. Like we need people to see movement. And we got banned on TikTok like immediately. I got banned on TikTok like day one. They were like, nope, mm -mm, nope, that will not work over here. But on Instagram, 
as far as platforms for people to see dance movement and to promote live events, that does seem mm -hmm. to be a pretty solid place to do that because talking about dance and seeing dance, not the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but with my coaching work, people don't necessarily need to see me talking about it. Or if they do, coming to a free workshop, finding me on YouTube, some of these other things may be more endemic to nurturing them as a customer and as a lead than people who just want to follow you. The other thing I think is people who want to follow you because they're your competitors and they're interested in watching yeah. what you're doing. Um, I think that that's out there a lot. And so this idea of like being so obsessed with follower count as a business owner doesn't really serve us. Whereas thinking about the quality of the, the like, or not even just the quality, the nature of the follow. Are you following me just to watch me? Are you following me because you like me? Are you following me because you're actually interested in buying from me? That those are very different things. And when we're just looking at the number on the top of our page, we have no idea what that number represents. Yeah. And I really think that like a follow is pretty much never like, I want to buy something from you. Like it's, it's not that... I started differentiating in some of my work between like followers and subscribers. Whereas like five, and I think of them as like followers are more like the outer realms. So follow to me is just like, I'm kind of interested in knowing what you are doing kind of sometimes, <laughs> but like subscribing is a more like ongoing relationship. This, I mean, this is all semantics, but I think what I'm trying to get at is that I think most often following is not a step toward buy. It is a step toward buying, but it's just a baby step. And really like if somebody really wants to buy something from you, they're going to get on, they're going to go to your website. They're going to get on your email list. The exception to that like is products, I think. So like people follow, people buy things in Instagram shopping. And so if you're running a product-based business, I understand the value of visuals. I understand the value of TikTok and how TikTok virality has like blown up many, many a retail brand and business. And I think that that is a slightly different realm, but for a service-based business, I just think you're right that like, it's not follower count is purely a vanity metric by which I mean like a metric that might make you feel a certain way or might seem to mean something, but in no way is related to your revenue or your profit. Like there's no direct relationship between your follower count and your profitability in your business. And I think you're completely correct. And I see it also all the time that many, many people on Instagram think that they're running a business, but they're just building a platform. And I'm always pointing out to people like, okay, businesses have offerings. Like, what are you selling? Businesses have, I think most often websites, or at least they have, you know, a Google doc that's serving as a website. Like they have a place you can go to learn about them. That's not simply their social media. Um, businesses have like marketing and sales strategies most of the time. Um, but even before we go there, like they just have a really clear, a really, I like, I think businesses should have a clear mission and clear offerings. And so often the people that find me through off the grid, like they are not, that's not happening in their businesses or they don't have that yet. What they haven't said is like a lot of content that they've created, maybe one thing they've kind of tried to sell and then a social media presence. And I'm like, okay, these are nice like building blocks, but we do not yet have a business. 
that is such a huge thing I've encountered too. And I have people that are like, I just don't understand why I'm not getting sales, why I'm not getting customers, why my Instagram isn't converting for me. And I'll go look at their Instagram and I'll be like, I can't tell what you do. <laughs> like, I cannot tell from looking at this at all what you do, what you sell, what you offer. Or this is one I encounter a lot. Like, if you are out there and you have a lot of fear of visibility stuff related to what you look like and you have a lot of self-esteem issues connected to what you look like I've encountered so many people who are trying to use Instagram as their primary business building platform and there are no pictures or videos of them on their page and like you don't you don't have to show your face if you want to have a non-Instagram based platform but if you're on Instagram what people want to see is they want to see the business owner. They're already curious enough about you maybe to be coming to look at your stuff and they want to see you. They want to get a sense of you. They want to hear your voice. You know, I spend a lot of time talking with people about like people wanting, especially if you teach or you coach, people wanting to see you on video and get a feel for whether or not they will vibe with you in a room is not too much for them to ask. Um, and that like, you being hung up on like I don't like the way that I look in pictures in a way that prevents you from giving your customers what they need to feel like oh I think I would like to talk to that person doesn't serve your business ultimately but again like if you were doing this through a podcast or a newsletter or your website I would still say the same thing there have to be pictures of you somewhere like it can't just be this like faceless you know words on a words on a colored box on a grid is not going to like help people build the type of personal connection and rapport they need to take the next step whatever that next step is and then of course you have to give them a next step, right? Like whether it's Instagram, YouTube, a podcast, your newsletter, the funnel is the thing, right? And I, I hate to use the word funnel, sorry guys, it's such like a business bro marketing word, but it's a funnel, right? Like the intimacy building, the here's the next step in the business courtship, having a clear path laid out for people to follow is the thing. And I, I do see so often, people who think they're starting a business and they come to me and they're like okay well like I'm gonna start a YouTube channel I'm gonna start a podcast I'm gonna start an Instagram first of all like all the platforms at once and they're not coordinated mm -hmm. and they're not leveraged and they're not you know uh you know kind of sharing the content across platforms but also when I'm like well great what's the purpose of this what is it designed to nurture people into what's the next step what's the action that you want them to take they haven't thought about that part yet I really think a lot of us are just like lost in the sauce on the idea that like having an audience and having a business are the same thing. Yeah. And this is really where I get to the episode of Off the Grid that I did earlier this year that was called 10 Things I Hate About Content Marketing. Because I think that what has happened is we've conflated being a content creator with having a business because we see very successful content creators make a lot of money doing that. But I think that in my mind, the only way that content is a business is if you have a very large following, tens or hundreds of thousands of audience members. Like that's when you can really monetize your content and make a living from it. And most people that I'm talking to, we're not starting there. <laughs> and even if you are starting there, that doesn't always mean that it will monetize in the way or to the degree that you hope that it will. And so I just see so many people 
as you said, conflate having a business with having an audience. And also I think that because of how aspirational social media is, because of how it's really primed to make everything look easy, or at least we're invested in these narratives of how easy things are, we don't realize that like it can be like years and years and years of full-time effort for somebody to get to those 100,000 followers that are making them $50,000 a year. You know, who knows how much they're actually making, right? Because we, it's so performative in these ways. And, you know, I I don't use the word performative in a negative sense. Like I love performing versions of myself on social media. I think it can be really positive, but we see these same narratives come up of like the performance of like easy wealth. And I just think for most people, it doesn't work that way unless you're inheriting it. <laughs> like, like this, that's not the path. And I just... You know, I encounter a lot of people who have a few hundred Instagram followers and really want to be a content creator. And I really want to encourage them to keep going, but I also want to encourage them to like have a job or like have a source of income alongside this because it's going to be a long path if your goal is to be a content creator. And again, I mean, I, and I also see people who are building like really beautiful memberships or selling like a sort of signature course, but they just don't have like the audience size and the price point that's going to turn that into a breadwinning supportive business. And not everyone needs that. If what you want is like a side hustle or you want some extra income, that's amazing. But I feel like this weird thing happened, I guess, partially through the pandemic and through this online business boom we've been in, where a lot of people sort of took the leap into self-employment or entrepreneurship. And I love seeing the barriers to entry lowered, but I've just been watching so many people now like really under earning, really wearing themselves out, really struggling because of this whole mix of things we're talking about, like because they've been making content for three years, but not actually building business foundations because they're trying to grow a low price offer with a following of a few hundred people because of, you know, all these things. It's, it's tough out there. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. And this is just like, it's so near to my heart because it's like, this is what I do in elemental entrepreneurship is just like, there are so many people who have been sold on the idea that it is easy and will just like, okay, well, I do a thing or I have a skill or this is what I've done in my day job or I've done this freelance. And so I'm just going to like slap up a Wix website and put up an Instagram and like customers are going to come and like learning business, right? About like this, like the strategic parts of like, what is it exactly that I do? Who do I do it for? And how am I going to go about getting the number of people I need, paying the amount of money I need for me to have the life that I'm trying to build? Like just there is a building block kind of way to get there that is so much more direct, so much faster and so much easier than so many people make it. And there's that statistic, like 85% of new businesses fail within the first 18 months. And I always wonder how many of those 85% of people who fail, it's because they didn't get any guidance on learning about business first. Um, 
And I know this was true for me. I was like, I always call it like I was a scrappy DIY art hustler for my adult life. Like, and I thought I had a business, but I didn't, right? I had a bunch of, I had three freelance hustles in a trench coat. And like, uh, I worked all the time and I never had enough money. And I was constantly scrambling and I was like cobbling together patchwork arts gigs and calling it a business because as an artist, as a creative, like learning business in the traditional business way was never interesting to me. I didn't go to business school, like all of that. I didn't want to do it. And I'm in the same world we all are being told like, oh, it's so easy. Anyone can start just like create a website and make a social media presence. And like, there you go, customers. And there were all these things that I needed to to learn and there were also all of these things I needed to unlearn before my business really became a business and so if you're listening to this podcast and you're out there lost in the sauce and ready to like throw in the towel or feeling desperate and like you're gonna have to go get a job but you've never taken the time to learn about business please come see me or come see Amelia and let us help you like build the actual business part of your business so it's not just like hope (laughs) Yeah, I like to say that like I love magical thinking, but a business cannot survive on magical thinking alone. Like it magical thinking is not gonna fill your bank account. Yeah. <laughs> and no, so and- we have to make it material for sure. Yeah, I think I have a post that says like the magical thinking business plan and it's like year one, do nothing, year two, do not do nothing, year three, do nothing, year four, do nothing, year five, wild abundance and success. <laughs> <laughs> but actually for a lot of people that in my world, because also I think a, a lot of us this is a whole other podcast episode, but conflate um, wanting a successful business with having a romantic savior fantasy that what mm. we actually want, or like having um having a hit, right? Like it's the adult version. Yeah. Of like I'm going to be walking down the street singing and somebody's going to be like, kid, I'm going to make you a star. And then there's going to be a montage and then I'm going to be performing for arenas. Like <laughs> a lot of people really think I'm going to th- slap together a page with maybe well put together offer but probably not and I'm going to make some Canva graphics and I'm going to throw them up and within the first week I'm going to be rolling in money and if that doesn't happen I'm so defeated and deflated and discouraged that I don't continue and I see that a lot too is just that viral sensational social media business marketing does also create this set of unrealistic expectations for people that they think if I don't hit it big mm-hmm. with my first five posts that I should just quit because it's not working. And that's not true either. No, it's not. And then on like beyond that, the thing I see that will happen next is people who do have success putting up those posts, they work through their whole network and they sell their whole existing network. And then it's like crickets, like the way they haven't actually gotten in front of more people who didn't already know them. So there are all these like stumbling blocks along the way and all of these (laughs) things that we have to encounter and explore and problem solve and troubleshoot and all of those words. But I think for me, like at the core, I'd love to know what you think about this. Like I just find that small business owners and entrepreneurs, like what we love is a challenge. What we love is like a new thing to figure out. And sometimes we're exhausted and we just need to like hide in bed under the covers and be like, I'm absolutely not going to figure out why my email marketing or like for this week, real life example, I was like, I am absolutely not going to figure out why QuickBooks stopped talking to my bank right now. I am going to go take a nap. I am not going to do this today. <laughs> right? Like sometimes we can't 
tackle it right then. But what I just see, the reason I know the business owners or at least like intuitive business owners are my people is because we like see the question marks ahead and we like dive in. We're like, how do I make this work? How do I get through this? How do I figure this out with my integrity, my values and everything intact? Like that's the work that I love doing. And yes, it's hard. And yes, it's messy. And yes, there are many, many failures along the way. I think business owners have to learn to love and embrace failure. And, but it's like fun. I don't know. Do you find, I think business is so much fun. As much as I just talked about how hard it is, it's so much fun to me. I think it's so much fun too. And I, I actually think that like setting apart, and I have a lot of conversations about this with people, setting, sitting down and figuring out whether or not you find that fun can be a good determiner for whether or not you actually should go into business because there are a lot of people who absolutely are not interested in that kind of problem solving who don't find I call it sexy business math but the like you know even just the equation of like okay I want to work 20 hours a week and I want to make this much money and here's what I do what could I offer to make that possible how could I do this right like those types of problems are really fun for me. I love that stuff, right? I need to get in front of this many people with this offer to make this percentage of conversion. How do I do that? I love that stuff. I work with a lot of people who are like, I hate everything about all of that. I really just want to do the thing I'm good at and sitting down and being like, hey, one of two things, you're either going to have to learn to love this stuff that you think you hate or you don't actually want to run a business doing this like what you you want a job doing it and that's okay like entrepreneurship isn't for everyone the level of uncertainty of it isn't for everyone needing to be in charge of the business side of it isn't for everyone and putting yourself in a position where you're taking the work you love doing the service you love providing the the gifts and skills and talents that you want to share and putting yourself in a position where you have to do a bunch of stuff you hate, aka the business side of it, um, around your sacred work in a way that ends up like burning you out or building resentment, like that can be more hazardous. Um, and like sometimes, it, it, not sometimes, for me, 100% of the time, everything starts with introspection. And so like really mm-hmm. sitting down and taking the time to understand what would really be involved in me being successful at this? And do I want to do that? Even just on Mm -hmm. the business side, I think about like, I was working with someone who made beauty products and they thought that they wanted to go into mass production. And so we did all of this work to get them meetings with people who did formulation and product design and packaging. And I was like, okay, this is going to go from you making these products by hand in your home to you spending most of your day in meetings and having other people make all your products and you're not going to touch them anymore. And once she really realized what the business was going to change into, she was like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to do that. But like at least sitting down and running yourself through the thought experiment of like, okay, what would this really look like to do this? And do I want that? And being okay if the answer is no, frees you up from a lot of struggle that you may not need to endure. Yeah. Oh, I cannot co-sign that enough. And it really just takes us right back to the beginning of our conversation. When I shared, you know, my journey leaving social media, like I said, at that time I was selling books and I was selling these group classes and I sat down and I was like, okay, what do I think it would take to 
turn this, these sort of side projects into a business. And I was like, well, I'd probably have to, um, the class was a selfies for radical self-love practice group. And I would make generally like a thousand dollars each time I would run it. So it's like, okay, well, I'd have to be running and filling two of those a month. And then I'd also have to be selling about 50 times as many books as I'm selling. And so I'd have to be putting most of my energy into getting all of this in front of more and more and more people. And selfies are very visual. So I need to stay on Instagram and continue investing in these visual and video platforms. And I just looked at all of that and I was like, I mean, I love that practice group and the course that I taught. It was transformational and wonderful and amazing. And at the end of the day, it was not worth what it would have taken to turn that into a business. And so, yeah, like I introspected and I stepped away. And even now I'm working on an episode of Off the Grid about thinking about how I'm growing softer sounds and putting, I put some plans in motion to scale it bigger. And then I backed off of them because I realized that like, I like doing my work more than I want to just be a manager of other people. And that's a choice that I get to make. And so, yeah, just so many moments where we can introspect and I think also find trusted guides to help us reflect things back to us, which sounds like both the work that you and I do is work with people to help them see like, okay, what do you really want here? Like, what's the desire underneath this desire for a big following or this desire to run a business? Like what, what's under there? Where, where we go? Like what's at the root of this? And if we can figure that out, then how do we build from that place instead of building from these like castles in the sky of an Instagram following? Oh, I love this so much. And I know we're we're at time, but I just want to like second that and say, I agree with that so much. And I think that you also touched on, right, this thing about like, even thinking about why we want what we want, right? Do I want this because I was told this is the only way to get this other thing that I want? Do I want this because I think that this is the path? Do I want this because, right, the idea of like growing your podcast business I think it's really easy to get swept up in growth for growth's sake because that is the culture of business and everyone's like yeah like once you hit once you start you want to hit six figures and once you hit six figures you want to hit multiple six figures and once you hit six figures you want to hit seven figures and then th and you're like wait do I want to run a business that looks like that do I want to manage a team of 20 or 30 people do I want an office outside of my house and not that there's anything wrong with any of those things but you know, like my, my client who made beauty products, like when you're like, no, actually I love touching everything myself. I want, I want my day to still include that I get to be really hands-on. I want this level of intimacy. Like we do get to make these decisions for ourselves about what we want our life to look like and not just get swept up in doing what we're told the route is of business. Like that's why you go into business for yourself is so that you get exactly. to make decisions. Yeah. 100%. And I think that it, it can often take like other people and mirrors to help us realize that we've like gone really far down this path and maybe we're not in alignment anymore. Or maybe it's just not for right now. Like part of what I've realized for myself is I think maybe eventually I want a bigger business, but like right now I'm really enjoying this phase and I can build toward that. Like it doesn't all have to happen in this immediate moment. <laughs> and I think, you know, I kind of came to this because very candidly, like softer sounds had a few months where we had way too much business. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Like we were way overbooked. I was working all the time. My team was working all the time. Like in May and June, we were, we were producing about 
three times as many episodes as we're doing now with the same team and everyone was overworked and overwhelmed probably myself especially because I was carrying a lot and um what I learned through that was like I I know I want actually want to step back for a minute like I haven't grown my capacity to do more yet and I, I'll get there like you know I think over time like that's something I think about a lot with nervous system regulation like my window of tolerance isn't big enough to run a business that big yet <laughs> so like I have a lot of personal work to do to get there so I can hold more people more money more whatever it may be at any given time and so I also think of business as a long journey. Like for me, business, I try to remember like, yes, it moves fast, but it can also evolve really slowly and I can take my time. Like I'm always telling myself, Amelia, take your time. There's no rush. <laughs> take your time. <laughs> like we can slow this down if it's too much or if it's not enough, I can slow it down either way. So I could obviously talk to you for a million years and I have so many other things I want to say, but I also want to respect your listeners time and say thank you <laughs> well, so like, much <laughs> I, I hope y'all love a long episode because you're getting a long episode and you know just because I have to I want to just highlight the brilliance of what you just said in elemental terms for those of you who play the home game what Amelia just said is that she checked her fire and recognized the need to do more water work before she went back into doing earth and fire work and that is so vital and so important and so wise and so um so much of what I see missing in, in business education, right, is just that like people are like, grow, 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 grow. And they're not talking about the nervous system capacity to hold that growth. And that part is another reason that people blow their businesses up is that they grow too big too fast for their emotional well-being to handle it. And so it's always so I love hearing when people are like, oh, yeah, I recognize that there's stuff I have to do to be ready for that. And I'm going to take care of myself versus sacrifice myself on the altar of commerce um so thank you so much uh i may be a convert y'all you heard her here first if i don't have instagram in 2024 you can point back to today october 5th 2023 as the love turning, it right um where can people find you yeah, so you can find all the things I do about leaving social media through Off the Grid, which you can find online at offthegrid.fun, F-U-N, fun. That's our new website recently launched. You can also find Off the Grid anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just search Off the Grid, leaving social media, and it'll be there. And then if you want to connect with my work personally, you can find me online at ameliafruby.com. And if you're interested in making podcasts with me or learning more about the podcast work I do, you can find the studio at softersounds.studio. Amazing. And we'll put the links for everything in the show notes. Thank you so, so much for being here. It was great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This has been a blast. Bye, everybody. That's our episode for today. Thank you, as always, for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching. Have a great day.